Good morning. I'm so glad you're here. Look at the person next to you. Say, glad you're sitting on our row. Tell the other person, you make our row look good. Come on. Welcome to our Savior's Church. My name is Pastor Josh. Glad you're here. And on behalf of all of our staff, we're so excited you're here. If you are a guest here for the first time, thanks so much for being here. Uh, we're, we've been expecting you, been waiting on you, and now that you're here, the party can get started. And so uh, we're glad you're here and, and hope you uh, came however you came, whatever you came, whether it was fear or trepidation or you were excited. Uh, we believe that church should be a place you enjoy, not a place you endure. Can I get an amen on that one? And so we're going to have some fun. You're going to laugh. Uh, you're going to get challenged. But more than anything, our desire is that you meet Jesus today and that he shows up. And uh, that's our prayer today. We are uh, in kind of in between a series. We did the uh, three question series. How many enjoy the three questions? Three questions that will change your life. If you didn't get a chance to, to uh, be a part of that series or maybe you missed some, you can jump on our website and catch all those or our Facebook page and catch those as well. Um, um, but we talked about three different things, three questions. What, what, why am I here? What is God's will for my life? And uh, last week, Pastor Bubba wrapped it all up with, what is my ministry? And so today, I kind of wanted to do a sequel to that series. I feel like if that series was really good, but I feel like we need to kind of take it another step further. And so we're going to do kind of a sequel. How many enjoy sequels? A part two, part three. How many know sometimes sequels aren't as good as the first though? So hopefully anybody seen Rocky? And so <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Rocky needs to die at some point. You, know? you can't do Rocky, Rocky 17. He's going to be a hundred years old beating somebody. But, uh, but this is a, a message really geared towards the first part of our Why Am I Here? We talked about growing, uh, knowing, growing, and glowing, and how do we do those things. And so today, I want to specifically talk about growing and how do we grow in our faith. We have so many people that have joined our church and that are new to the faith, and I want to help you grow in your faith in some practical ways. And so we're going to do that over the next couple of weeks. And so are you ready? No, you're not. Are you ready? I need, okay, all right. So uh, turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel. Now, I know I've never preached out of Ezekiel, so today's going to actually be my first time, but Ezekiel chapter 47. You should have got some notes. If you got some notes, wave them at me just so I know we got some people. All right, good. We are a note-taking church, and so we encourage you to just follow along in the notes. Uh, we'll also have our electronic Bible on the screen for you uh, to help you if you didn't bring your Bible. But we are in Ezekiel chapter 47, and we're going to read this together. So I just want to tell you this. We're going to read it, and it may seem like, what are we reading? Don't worry. I'm going to explain it to you. Okay, but we got to read it first. So let's read it together. And this is what it says in verse 1. It says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple and behold water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east for the temple faced east now verse three going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand the man measured a thousand cubits how many of you have used cubits this week nobody okay exactly so let me explain what a thousand cubits is it is a measuring tool to measure a quarter of a mile a thousand cubits is a quarter of a mile. How many of you know what a quarter of a mile is? Okay, all right. And so if you went around a track, that is a quarter of a mile. So let's put it in a quarter of a mile terms. It says, and he measured a line and a man measured a thousand cubits, which is? 
Okay, good. Just want to make sure. A quarter of a mile. And then he led me through the water, and it was what? Okay, I need, I need some help here, okay? You are 1045. You had plenty of time to sleep, all right? So it was... Okay, good. There we go. Ankle deep. And again, he measured a thousand, which is a quarter of a mile. Okay. And he led me through the water and it was knee deep. deep. Okay. Again, he measured a thousand, which is okay. All right. And he led me through the water and it was way steep. steep. And again, he measured a thousand. I'm not even going to do it. Okay. (laughs) Psych. And it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through. So that one is above the head. And so let's pray. Father, we love you. God, thank you for each person that's here. Um, You brought them here. God, maybe they thought that a friend brought them here or a family member brought them here, but the truth is you got them here because you want to speak to us. And so, God, we just, in this 30, 40 minutes that we have together, we just set aside everything that's gone on this week. And, God, we just give it to you. And we ask that you would speak to us, that you would open up our ears and our hearts to hear from you. God, thank you for this beautiful weather and for the amazing smelling jambalaya that's all throughout the air. And if everybody loves jambalaya, can I get an amen? Amen. All right. Ain't nothing like coming up to church and jambalaya all up in the air. Ezekiel chapter 47 is actually a prophecy. If you don't know what a prophecy is, a prophecy is something that's going to happen in the future. Something that is being told in the present of what's going to happen in the future. And Ezekiel is actually prophesying of what's going to happen one day when actually Jesus comes back. That one day when Jesus comes back, he is going to establish his kingdom back in the city of Jerusalem, and he's going to establish it actually in a temple. He's going to create, uh, have a temple that he is going to establish, and that his kingdom is going to rule from there. He's going to create a new heaven, new earth. That's for maybe a revelation series. We'll do that at some time. But this is what it says, that when God rests his kingdom on this temple, that the earth is going to split, a river is going to come out of that temple, and out of that temple, the river is going to flow, and eventually it's going to end into the Dead Sea. Now, the reason the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea is because everything in it is... Yeah, I just want... You've got a kindergarten level here, okay? The Dead Sea is because everything in it is dead. And so, this is what I want you to see, though, because we've got to lay this first before we get into the other things. All throughout Scripture, the, the word temple is used to refer to three different things. So the first word, uh, first time you'll, you'll see temple is in the Old Testament, and it refers to uh, the gathering of God's people. They gathered together in the temple to worship God. And so in the Old Testament, the, the temple was used to refer to the church, that the church is the temple of God, that where God's people come and they gather and they worship. The second part that you see the temple is in the Gospels, when Jesus shows up on the scene. And Jesus refers to the temple actually as himself. Because they say, hey, we're going to tear down this temple. And Jesus says, listen, you can tear down that temple, but in three days, I'm going to raise it again. Speaking of himself, that he was the temple. But then if you fast forward after Jesus dies and resurrects and goes to heaven, if you look in the letters in 1 Corinthians, the Bible talks about the temple being something else. And it says, does anybody know what it is? We are, exactly. We are the temple 
of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you see these three kind of different pictures. You got the temple of the church. The church is the temple. You see Jesus as the temple. And then you see us as the temple. Now, with this analogy and with this illustration, you also see a picture of water. Water represents life. You cannot have life without water. The majority of your body is made up of water. Did you know that? The majority of our planet is made up of water. Right now they're doing space exploration and they've actually, they're they're exploring Mars. You know what they're looking for? Not aliens. Okay. Water. They're looking for water because they realize that if there's water, if they can find water, you can sustain life. And so, of course, uh, you're going to see in Ezekiel that out of the temple flows water, flows life. What that means, though, is that out of the church, out of Jesus, and out of our lives, if we're connected to God, flows life. Life flows out of it. Now, you're going to notice a progression in Ezekiel. You're going to notice that it was ankle deep, then knee deep, then waist deep, then above the head. Now, um, for those that may or may not know, uh, we just bought a house a couple years ago, and the house that we bought has a pool. And uh, this summer, uh, leading up to this summer, um, our pool had to have a bunch of reconstruction and new plaster and everything. And so for the past probably, I don't know, two months, our pool has just been demolished. It's, we've had to redo the whole thing. And so we just got it redone. And we'd never swam in it yet. We just uh, we were in Colorado all last week, which, by the way, Joel is doing amazing right now. So thank you, Joel. I was going to see. Come here, buddy. Come see. Look. No backpack. <laughs> see his fanny pack. <laughs> Tell everybody thank you. Tell thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. So go play on the iPhone again. Okay. And so when we talk about a house of miracles and a God of miracles, just want to let you see a living one. Um, so anyway, so we have this pool. So this whole, the past two months, I mean, it's been like, when's the pool going to be ready? When are we going to get this pool? When's it? Listen, when the pool's ready, you can swim. So anyways, the pool is ready before we left Colorado, but we wouldn't let anybody swim. So when we came back, we came back Sunday at midnight, Monday morning. Guess what the first thing they're asking? Dad, can we swim in the pool? Yes. Oh my God. I mean, they're running to their room. I think they changed faster than Superman. I, I can't. It was just like, it was like that. And so, of course, they're like, can we jump in? And I'm like, no, listen, for the past three months, your dad has been busting his tail with the pool. If there's anybody that jumps in this pool before me, I will beat you. I paid for this pool. I'm still paying for this pool. I jump in first. And so they, they understood. And they were cool with that. And so how many of you know when you go to get into the pool, there's different ways to get into the pool, right? Okay, so how many of you are the people like me, you're going in, you're going all in. And if there's a diving board, even better, you're going all in. How many of you going, you're going, you're going all in. Okay, all right, about, about 7% of you. So what that means is the rest of you do what my wife does. So Monday... 
Of course, we're all three lined up on the diving board. I jump off, do a flip. The next one jumps. All of my boys, we're all in there. We're all swimming. And, and of course, the boys are like, Mom, come on. It's great. It's like 72 degrees in there. Shaking. It's awesome. She's like, it's freezing, isn't it? I was like, no, come on in. It's awesome. Oh, my God. Get me out of here. And so, so she goes in the house, puts on her bathing suit, and she comes out. And she doesn't go to the diving board. What does she do? She goes, oh, my God, no. No, I ain't doing that. I said, babe, just jump in. It's just better if you just do the whole full sensation just right at the beginning. Don't, because y'all, all the rest of y'all, 93% of you're jacked up. You're crazy because you, you put your foot in and all of that coldness just comes up and creeps in your body. And then you like creep in and it's just, it's weird. Okay, just dive in. But it's all right. And so that's, of course, that's what she did. She went to the first step, got a little warm, go to the second step, peed in the pool, got a little. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. She didn't do that. My, my boys, maybe. But anyways. And so that's how you warm. By the way, so anyways. Okay. So, so that's how she gets in the pool. And so undoubtedly, that's the majority of how you get in the pool. And the truth is... In our faith, that's actually how God gets us in the pool. Oftentimes, it's not just a full-on dive on in. According to this scripture, the way that God establishes his kingdom is there is a progression. There is ankle deep, and then knee deep, and then waist deep, and then over our head. And, and, and what we fail to realize oftentimes, let me, let me put it in a different way. Oftentimes, the way that we, we think, and, and honestly, there's probably been a lot of churches um, that, that do this, is if this was ankle deep, if this was the step in, the very beginning, and this over here was all in, everything, fully surrendered, everything that it is, oftentimes, churches will, will preach in such a way where one weekend, you, you got saved, and there's this expectation that on the next weekend, somehow, you are now fully sanctified, loving your wife, loving everything. You don't cuss anymore. You never have any more urges. And you are perfect. But the truth is, that's not how it is. The truth of what, how God works is there's a beginning and then guess what he does? Take a step. And then he says, nope, you're still not there. Take a step. Now, here's the truth. If you were to go and measure out a quarter mile, okay, one time around the trek. And so my, my uh, nerdiness came out whenever I was reading this. Because I was thinking, how many steps is a quarter mile? A quarter mile is not one step. You know how many? Based off of how tall you are and what your stride is, a quarter mile is between 400 and 500 steps. You know what that tells me? From ankle deep to knee deep, maybe 400 steps. And then knee to waist, maybe 400 steps. And some of you are so frustrated because you you're not where you want to be. 
But can I tell you, you may be at step 225 and you still got 200 more to get to ankle deep or to waste. Y'all with me here? It's not, you're not, you're not jumping. Okay. It's not, it's not the jump. It's the progression of what God does in our lives is steps. And the ankle deep represents, ankle deep represents us just getting into the faith. Us just stepping into the faith. Us surrendering to him in the faith and saying, God, I'm, I'm here. My, my way is not working, but I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Now, here's the thing, though, about ankle deep. If you're ankle deep, you can jump right back out. It's easy to get out. If you're the water tester, yeah, nope, no, nope, I'm gone. I'm out. I'm out. But when you go knee deep, and now you try to jump out. How many of you ever tried jumping in water when you're knee deep? You look like a flopping fish. You ain't getting out. And if you are, it's very hard. And the truth is how God wants to do, he wants to progressionally move, progressionally move us from ankle to knees. Knees represent worship. They represent surrender. They represent prayer that we bow to God. That, that we're, we're progressing from just getting in the faith to now really beginning to worship God. And then we move to waste. You know what the waste represents? Reproduction. It's where all your reproductive organs are. That we would move from not only just being in the faith to not only just worshiping God, but now that our life is reproducing itself, we're giving life away. Our life is now has purpose, has meaning. And then eventually you move all the way over into above the head. Any of y'all have ever swam, tried to teach your kids how to swim, and you start where? Some of y'all are crazy like me. You start in the deep end. <laughs> We're going to go all out. But you start in the shallow. You just start by the steps and you go, come on. And they jump and swim and you move them back. But eventually, at some point, you move that kid all the way over into the deep end. Have you ever tried to swim with a kid that's freaking terrified in the deep end? What are they doing? They are holding on to you for dear. Don't let me go. Don't let me go. Don't let me go. I mean, they're scratching you, holding on to you, and you're just trying to swim. They're pushing you underwater. Why? Because they are so full in that they have nowhere else to go but to depend on whoever that is that's holding them. And do you know that that's where God wants us? He so wants, he so wants us to get into the deep end to where we're fully surrendered, fully submerged. We can't trust in ourselves because we'll drown and we realize he's the only answer. Amen. And so there's this progression of all this that, that plays out. And so there's, there's four or 500 steps. Here's the problem though. Most Christians though, stay ankle deep. That's where they stay. And, and, and let me put this, <clears throat> for those that are here, if, if you're here for the first time, let's talk about that. If you are here for the very first time, some of you, I've talked to so many people that have come for the first time, especially when we do our next step class and we hear about how you came. There's so many people that are here, man, I was so scared to walk into your church. Scared? Yeah, man, I didn't know what it was going to be like. Are they going to bust out snakes? Is there Kool-Aid? I mean, is there, like, are they going to call me? What's going on? Because a lot of people have come from a Catholic background or from a different background and just don't understand. And they walk in here and there's just so much fear. And can I just tell you this? Some of you to be here today was a step. And we celebrate that step with you. Thank you so much for being here. Really do. Thank you. 
I've heard people, I've been at those double doors in the back and they're walking, you know, someone's walking with their friend and, and they're like, you should be scared. They're about to walk into this building. I'm like, scared? what are you talking about? Oh, the walls are going to catch on fire. Like the fact that this person's here, because people think like God's waiting, like with lightning bolts to strike, like you're not worthy to come into my house. But for some of you being here is a big step. And we recognize that. And we celebrate it, and God celebrates the fact that you're in his house. With that being said, I want to show you a verse, and that is in 1 John chapter 2. And I'm going to explain to you why I have a dining room table on the, on the stage. 1 John chapter 2, verse 13, it says this, I am writing to you fathers. Everybody say fathers. I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning, and I am writing to you young men. Everybody say young men. Because you have overcome the evil one. And I write to you children because you know the father. So I want you to see this progression. I want you to see the three types of people in this family. There's fathers, young men, and children. Now, of course, fathers also means mothers. It's not just only fathers. Fathers, mothers, young men, young women, and children. And I want you to see in God's house, and this is what I want us to to really get really practical here, because I want you to imagine that this table is the church. This table is God's house, God's family. We talk a lot about church isn't an event you go to, it's a family you belong to. Church isn't somewhere that you go and you check off on a Sunday and say, God, look, I showed up. And there, are you happy? God didn't give his life for us just to go to attend an event. God gave his life so we could be brought into his family. And some of you need family because your family's jacked up. For some of you, your spiritual family is better than your natural family. But you know what? God, Bible says that God sets the solitary, the lonely in families. That's what God does. So I want you to imagine that this table represents the church, which represents family, which represents the family of God. And at this table and at this church, there's represented all different types of people. In this verse, you see fathers, you see young men, and you see children. I'm going to add a fourth one that you don't see, but is here represented in this place. It's represented by four chairs. You got notes? So I'm going to let you fill in some notes now. Here's the first chair that I want us to talk about. It's what I call the guest chair. This is not a chair that's in First John, but it's a chair that's represented in this house. And just as I said just a minute ago, and that's for many of you that are here for the first time, or maybe you've been coming for a month or so, and, and you're guests in our house. And so there is a difference between a visitor and a guest, by the way. Any of y'all ever had an unexpected visitor knock on your door? Usually in a white shirt, black tie. Anyway, okay. The name badge. Okay, anyway, so <clears throat> any of y'all have that? How many of you enjoy having people that you don't know coming over knock on your door? Anybody? My wife despises it. If somebody says, hey, I need to go pick up some of your house, I'm like, yeah, you go. And then they go, and I don't call Lindsay. And someone knocks on the door. I get a phone call from Lindsay. She says, such and such said, you knew they were coming over. Why didn't you call me? Okay. And so I, I don't like unexpected visitors too much. I like guests. The difference between a visitor and a guest is a visitor just shows up. A guest is invited. And here's the difference between a visitor and a guest. A visitor, you don't have any time. You're like, ah, somebody, boys, go into the door. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go run and put some clothes on. A guest, though, by the way, a guest that's been invited, you've prepared for. There's a difference. 
Because when you, you know, call a friend or a family or a neighbor and say, hey, we would love to have you come over for dinner. Uh, okay. And then you schedule a night. What night? Okay, Tuesday night. And then, and then you say, okay, we'd love to have you Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. We did this with some friends Friday night. And so what begins to happen after that is then it begins to go, okay, now we've got to what? Prepare our, our house, right? So what do you do? Grab everything that you got, stuff it under a bed, put it in a closet, just to light 17 candles, you know, let's get some scent up in here, put some music on, you know, you, you don't do Chef Boyardee for your guests. I mean, you, you do something nice. Usually you're asking the people, you know, are you, are you, are you gluten-free? You know, is there anything that you're allergic to anything? Uh, I mean, you're asking all these things. If, if you're a good host, you're asking all, maybe you do Chef Boyardee. If you do, I'm sorry. Um, but you usually will prepare in some way. You'll go in the bathroom, make sure there's toilet paper. You know, you just make sure everything's covered. And then when they show up at the door at seven o'clock, you know, you're not upstairs in your bedroom going, hey, somebody get the door. You're, you're usually down there waiting. They open the door. Hey, come on in. When we first got our house, people wanted to see our house. So guess what you do when you got a guest? Here, let me show you my house. This is our bedroom and this is the kitchen. Oh, so nice. And everybody, oh, this is nice. You move them all around. This is the dining room. And that's what you do, right? Because you prepare for guests. You prepare for them. I've been to some churches where when a guest shows up, People could care less that you were there. I've been to some, like, you show up and, like, they don't even say hi. There's a reason we have greeters at our door. There's a reason that people got here two hours early before service and went into those kids' room and make sure that everything is right. There's a reason why our team here got everything together and right. There's, how many of you are glad when you showed up there was hot coffee waiting for you? You know what that says? We were waiting for you. We were expecting you. We were prepared for you. And you know what it tells those people? You're loved. You're loved. And so I just want to say this for anybody that's here that is a guest here. We were waiting for you and we're glad you're here. But we wanted to move from just being a guest to now we want you to be a part of the family. We want you to move from the guest chair to the next chair. Let me tell you what the next chair is, though. Usually is the high chair. Write this down. It's the high chair. Okay. Now, anybody in here have a baby Let's say three and under. You got a kid that's three and under. Okay. All right. So you, you recognize this chair a lot. All right. You know how this chair, this chair looks really good. You probably hadn't had a baby in it in a while. Okay. A high chair doesn't usually look like this. Usually looks a little bit, a little bit different. Babies are all cute, especially those who have, you know, their first baby. I mean, dear goodness, their next two years of Instagram is just baby pictures. Settle down on the pictures, by the way. Your kid is cute. I just don't want to see it that much. And so... This is the baby stage, though. This is the high chair stage. This is, and let me, let me read a verse, because the Bible actually speaks about this. It says in 1 Corinthians 3, 1, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. Now, let me just say this. Paul is talking to Christians. He's not talking to people that aren't saved. He's talking to people that know God. And he says to them, I can't talk to you like spiritual people. I know you're saved and all, but I can't even talk to you like a spiritual person. Look what he says. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or that you were, what's that word? Infants or babies in Christ. I had to feed you with milk and not with solid food because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. For you're still controlled by your sinful nature and you're jealous of one another and you quarrel with each other. And doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? 
Now, let me just say this. If you don't know, our mission here is to reach people and build lives. With that being the case, if our passion is to reach people that don't know Jesus, my prayer, Pastor Bubba's prayer, and our staff prayer is that we have more high chairs in this church than anything. I pray that we have more and more people that come to know Jesus every day. Every weekend, we have people that raise their hand for salvation, and every one of you in here should be really, really excited about that because we all begin here at this stage. We've all been in this stage. Everybody's been in this stage. Now, there's some characteristics about babies, though, that you need to know. You probably already know it, but let's talk about it. I wrote a couple of them down. They don't think about anybody else but themselves. Right? They don't. They don't think about anybody else but themselves. This actually, I I think I, I would rename this chair. I wouldn't call it the high chair. I'd call it the eye chair. This is the eye chair, right? Any of y'all, yet again, how many got three and under? Has any of your three and under kids said, Mom, listen, <clears throat> I need to have a conversation with you. Can you bring it down low? Listen, I know I have vexed your soul countless nights. I mean, I wake up, I poop on myself. I'm all, you got to always feed me. Mama, what can I do for you? You're close to my heart. I want to take care of my woman. Has any, has any three-year-old ever said that to you? No. No. Has, has any 16-year-old said that to you? <laughs> no, because the characteristics of a baby is they are consumed with themselves. It's all about themselves. Which, let me just say this, though. For all of you here that are in this chair, you're welcome here. We know this is how you are. We're totally fine with that. We, we love that about you. Can't stay there, but we love that about you. Let me give you another characteristic of this. They leave messes and they expect everyone else to clean it up. Right? And now, now let me just speak to this. Because as baby Christians, if you've given your heart to the Lord for the first time within the last year, this is probably what stage you're in, by the way. And as a baby Christian, let me just tell you something. You're going to make a mess. You're going to have accidents. It's not going to be pretty all the time. And listen, we expect that. We expect that it's not going to be pretty. Remember, you're you're not going to clean up real fast. But can I give you any encouragement from me? If you make a mess, don't run from the church. Come to church. Because here's the deal. God is the ultimate fixer-upper and cleaner-upper. He has an unlimited amount of baby wipes, and he'll take care of your little precious bottom all the time. He'll clean you up and fix you up. That's what God does. And people, when they make a mess or they fail during the week, they're like, oh, I believe in God. But then something happens the week and they explode and they do just something stupid. They go, oh, I'm not worthy enough to be back in church. And they run from church. Can I tell you, God is telling you, get your tail back in church. He'll clean you up better than anybody else will. Amen. And so the baby church, this is the high church. Yeah, you can clap. That's all right. We got to either go all in or not. I mean, we got to, how this works. Here's the other characteristics. They don't contribute, they consume. And yet again, like I said, I'm not saying all these to bring any condemnation to anybody that's in this seat, because we want you in this seat. We're glad you're in this seat. We understand where you are in this seat. We're excited for you. But this is just the reality. You've just given your heart to the Lord, and you're learning, and you're growing. It's the way that it is. 
Let's move to the next chair, though. So now that you get out of the baby phase and now you're growing and you're kind of learning, you move into the third chair. And here's what the third chair is. The third chair is the growing chair. If you want to write that down, it's the growing chair. Let's read this verse. We read this verse a couple weeks ago, but I want to read it again. And it says, when I was a chair, when I was a chair, no, when I was a child. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I what? When I what? When I grew up, I put away childish things. What is the difference from baby and high chair to now the growing chair? What's the difference? The difference is, is now this person, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, all the way up into the teenage years, you know what they're starting to realize? It's not just all about me. It's no longer just, I'm not the only one in the room. The baby, all they're consumed with is who? Themselves. The growing, the adolescent, hopefully as they get growing in age, they're now learning it's not just about me, it's about we. I'll give you a perfect example of this happening even last night. I had a conversation with two of my boys. I won't say which ones they are. Um, they're the oldest. But the, I had conversations with two of them last night. And I said, listen, we were, we were sitting around the table for dinner. And I said, hey, guys, listen, mom's been doing a ton of work all day. She's been washing your clothes, making your meals, taking care of you all day. Tonight, I want you to be a blessing to your mom. I want you to clean the dishes. I want you to wipe down the table, the kitchen table and the counter. I want you to take care of all that. Yeah, no problem. Okay. So we finish dinner. I go back into my study. I'm working on stuff. And Lindsay comes in and says, hey, can you bathe Joel? Uh, I got to go finish the kitchen. I said, say what? I got to go finish the kitchen. Oh, wait, wait. That's not done? No. I said, tell those two boys to get in here right now. So they came in and one had taken care of what he was supposed to and one didn't. And I said, well, why didn't you do it? Oh, I was watching a show on my iPad. Um, problem. Go in the kitchen right now and bless your mother. Yes, sir. I got it. I got it. All right. So listen, I say that to say there's still, what, what was that one consumed with? Self. I want to go watch what I want to go do. So in the growing stage, you're growing and now you're realizing I do need to help. I do need to contribute, but there's still some selfishness in there. There's still, I want what I want. There's still, I'm going to do what I want to do. It's the growing chair though. At some point you start learning, okay, it's just, it's not just about me. I can contribute. This family is not just their family. It's my family. This isn't just y'all's house. This is our house. Everybody here with me? We all play a part. We all got a way to do this. And so it's the growing chair. And here's the last one. Move to the last chair. And this is the mature chair. The mature chair. Now, the mature chair is the adult chair. It's the mom and dad chair, usually, for the most part. How many know mom and dads, when you wake up, you don't get to just do whatever you want to do? Right? Okay, so point proven. Here we go. So when we talked about the message on when, when a pregnant woman is pregnant, how do people describe her face? She is what? Glowing. Glowing. Okay. After that pregnant woman delivers that baby, two months later, how do they describe that woman's face? <laughs> Nailed it. Tired. She went from glowing to tired. Why is that? Because her role changed. She went from just taking care of herself 
to now she's taking care of a baby. And that baby is only consumed with themselves. But you know what? That mom says, it's the greatest joy I have. Take care of my babies. With all her wrinkles and bags underneath their eyes. And I haven't, br- I haven't brushed my teeth since noon. You know? But that's because it's mature. Realizing, listen, as dads, we bring home the money. We, we provide for our family. We, we take care of our family. It's the, we don't get to stay home and play the we all day. That would be nice. But I don't get to do that. I, I, I have a responsibility to take care. And, and as you grow in your faith, you start realizing the guest, you're here, no strings attached. You're just here and enjoying. You're my guest. You don't have to clean my dishes. You're my guest. I take care of that stuff. You don't have to put away that stuff. We'll take care of that. This is our house. You're our guest. Then they move into the baby. It's all about them. We're serving them. They move into the maturing. And now they're realizing, okay, you got a part to play in this family. And then you get to the mature. And this is where you start realizing that, let me put it this way. Spiritual maturity is when you take more than you get. I, I give way more to my boys than they'll ever give me. But you know what? That's the joy of being a parent, though. I don't expect them to. I, now, at some point, I will expect them to. But at right now, this is my joy. This is my gift to give to them, to serve them, to help them to be the men that God's called them to be. And so this is the mature step. And so I, I want you to know this, though. In every one of these steps, God celebrates the steps. Wherever you're at. Whatever phase you're in, God celebrates the steps. Now, I want to show you something. This is an art project that Judah did for, for me. And so, um, so, coming home from work, and I see this. And Judah is all excited because if you see it, it's, I, think, I think it's a tree, right? It's a tree, and there's a, a house. I don't know if it's on fire or got barbed wire around it, but it's got something around it. And it's got me over here with a, with a skirt on. I don't know why I got a skirt or a dress. I got a dress. Judah's got a dress on, too. We don't play that, by the way. I just want to let you know. We don't do that in my house. Okay, we don't, we don't play that game. We got some smoke coming out. It looks like we got our chimney in our house. And it's just me and him. Just me and him. Nobody else. Okay, so I want you... To imagine this. So when I got home and he shows me the dad, 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 look, I got this for you. I didn't, I'm tell you what I didn't do. I didn't look at this and go, it's a terrible house. I mean, seriously. I mean, why'd you put a dress on me? I mean, this is terrible. You know how I dress? I dress nice. Put a nice thing on me. I mean, that sun's jacked up. It's not even fully a circle. I mean, could you at least do a full circle? And the trees aren't that big. I mean, what? I didn't do that. Get back in that room and give me a Michelangelo. Don't come out there until you give me something nice. No, I didn't do that. You know what I did? Dude, that is the best drawing I've ever seen. Put that thing right up on my refrigerator. It's awesome. Man, you you got some skills, man. That's what I did. And you know what? When it comes to our spiritual faith, when it comes to our walk with God, Oftentimes we come and we bring God this and we think he's going to get back in there and do something good for me. And the truth is God celebrates this and God puts it on his refrigerator. That's what he does. Now, if he's 26 and still drawing like this, we got a problem. Y'all understand me? I kind of do draw like this. I don't know, but... But at the stage and the step that he's at, this is awesome. 
And whatever stage or step you're at, God celebrates where you're at. Are you where you want to be? No. But you're here. And God celebrates the fact that you're in his house today. He celebrates that. I want to wrap all this up with two questions. Two questions. And you can fill these in. I have them on your your notes. Here's the first question. Am I stuck? I want you to ask yourself that. Am I stuck? Is what's going on in my life right now, what's going on in my world right now, is it the same thing that's just been going on and on and on? I am just stuck in the same place, dealing with the same stuff. My faith hasn't grown. My relationship with God hasn't grown. Are you stuck? You know the only difference between a grave and a rut? The length. One's just bigger. Because here's the truth. If you stay stuck, you will die. If you stay stuck in your misery, you stay stuck in your depression, you stay stuck in your walk, wherever that is, if you stay stagnant and stuck, you will die. There's a reason the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea. You know why? Because nothing of life flows into the Dead Sea. It's stagnant. It does not move. It's stuck. And guess what it does? Nothing lives in it. So we've got to be honest about where we are. Where are we today? Am I stuck? James 2 says this. If people say they have faith, but do nothing. You know some people like that? (laughs) Look what it says. Their faith is worth nothing. Faith is more than just believing. It's more than thinking. And it's more than talking. Faith is action. Let me read this last scripture to you. And then I'm going to ask you this last question. Ezekiel 47 I'll wrap all this up. So in verse 7 of what we started with in Ezekiel, I want you to see what happens in verse 7. We got this river that's flowing, and it says, And as I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees, trees on the one side and trees on the other side. And he said to me, now watch this, he said to me, The water flows towards the eastern region. The water will become, what's that word? Fresh. Fresh. Anybody like anything stale? You like stale bread? Stale. Nobody enjoys anything stale. And God says, listen, when you're in this river and you're taking steps, going to ankle, to knees, to waist, to head, this water is fresh, living water. Some of you need something fresh today. You need something fresh today. And listen, it doesn't even end there. He says, and wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live And there will be very many fish. Listen to me. When you take next steps, every single thing in your life grows. Some of you in here, you need to take, you need to, you need to go. You've been a guest for a long time. You've been spectating for a long time. And you need to take a step and go ankle in. You, You need to be, what the Bible would say, born again. You need to come from this chair to this chair. You need to surrender your life and say, God, my way is not working anymore. I'm going to go ankle. I'm going to just start. I got to start somewhere. This is first. For some of you in here, you've been in church for a long time. And, and, and your step, maybe, maybe you're waist deep. Maybe you're knee deep. Maybe you've been in church for a long time and you're still ankle deep. Maybe for you, it's a step of trusting God, maybe in your giving. Maybe you've never given before. You know, giving, just starting the process of giving, not even 10%, but just starting the process of giving, that's trusting God. That's a step. 
Some of you in here, you've been coming for a long time. You've never gone to next step. You've been putting it off. You've got every excuse in the world why you don't have to go, why you don't need to go. And today, maybe it's just time to just take a step. You know, I'm going to just take a step. I've never met someone who took a step and regretted it. Ever. Ever. Usually, the enemy uses fear to get us to not to step. But how many know when we trust God, every step we take, he leads, he guides, he gives life. And if you're stuck, which will lead to this last question, here's your last question. What step do I need to take? As you write that down, I want you to just kind of fold your notes or just put it away. And I want you to just right there where you are, bow your head, close your eyes. This is a moment that we get to have with the Lord right here. Some of you in here, as I said, you're, maybe you're checking out this church thing. Maybe the step for you was just coming to church. That's, that was your first step. I'm so glad you took that step. Thank you for taking that step today. God's so proud of you, but you know what? He doesn't want you to stay at that step. He wants you to take a step. Some of you may just be surrendered to God. Some of you may be to join a life group and get plugged into people. You've been living isolated and alone for so long. And God's challenging you today. Come on, get with some people. Maybe it's to go through next step. Maybe it's to give. Maybe it's to forgive somebody. That's been a step that you haven't ever wanted to take. And God's today challenging you. Man, you need to go forgive that person. And that's a step. What is the step that God's calling you to take? Father, right now, I pray over your people today, God. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? God, we thank you that you're a God of miracles as we sing. For some people, being in this room is a miracle. God, we know salvation is always a miracle. And I believe right now, God, you want to perform that miracle. So if there's those of you in this room, you've never surrendered your heart to the Lord. You've never been what the Bible says, born again. Not that you've never attended church, not that you've never taken communion, never, not that you've never done Christian things, but you've never been born again, meaning a real relationship with Jesus. So much of your life has been about what you do, but born again is really about what Jesus has done for you. And today you say, Pastor Josh, I want a new heart, new life. My way is not working. I want to surrender to him. You say, Pastor Josh, would you pray for me? Would you just hold your hand up just all across this room just so I can see you? Hands going up all over the place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the backs, both of y'all, thank you so much. Right there in red, thank you so much. I see you. Thank you. Hands going up all over the place. Anybody else? Say, man, God's moving me. This is a step I need to take. Thank you. I see your hand right there. Thank you so much. Thank you. Over there in the corner. Thank you, man. Thank you. Come on, let's just all pray this together. This is something we just all declare from our heart. The Bible says that we just declare from our heart out with our mouth what God is doing. So we just say, dear father, thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sins, for dying on the cross and rising again to conquer death, hell and the grave for me. Today, I acknowledge that you are Lord of my life and the Savior of my life. Today, make me new. Cleanse me. Give me a new start. Thank you for pursuing me. And today, I take a step in pursuing you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said...